0: Well, there's already some preaching going on this morning now. Zach, you're going to have to be turned loose one of these days. I'd better get your foot better. He had some surgery on that foot, but he can still sing. So that's, that's good. That's good. I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life, he's been faithful. I will sing of the goodness of God. I, I want us to... As we begin our time together the, with the word opened just a moment, I want us to begin with a moment of prayer and asking the Lord to extend his hand to heal while signs and wonders take place in the name of the Lord Jesus. That, that reference from Acts chapter 4, there have been more folks um, that Shirley and I have, have known personally who have been affected by the return or the continuation of the COVID virus situation. Um, Friends here, parts of our church family, uh, extended family, our streaming family around the country. I just feel like we need to just stop and just ask the Lord to do what he's the best at. And that is that he would extend his hand to heal. If you have someone in your family We will receive notes and requests for prayer often uh, for this particular situation at this time in the life of our nation. If you have someone that you're close to, a family member or a friend who is currently experiencing COVID or some other sickness, medical sickness, I want you to stand right now while the rest of us just going to put our heads over on the, the pew in front of us and and I'm going to get on my knees, and if you want to do that, you do that. Whatever's the posture of prayer you're comfortable with, let's just go to the Lord and ask Him to do what only He can do. Lord, we, we know we don't, have to, we don't have to invite you here. You're already here. You inhabit the praises of your people. Thank you for the songs. Thank you for the words. Thank you for the sense in our spirits as we've been exalting you in worship and praise this morning. And our hearts can't help, Lord, but be turned to the ones that we know right now are running fever. They've got congestion in their lungs. There's there's weakness physically in their bodies. Different kinds of things going on related to the virus. And Lord, we we know you are the answer for that. We we know that you have all authority over everything that has a name, and COVID 19 has a name. And and all of this the expected variants and, and returns. Or we just, Lord, we, we're asking you today to show your authority in the name of Jesus over this sickness that's affecting the ones we specifically know about and love and care for. We ask you, Jesus, to just like the apostles prayed in Acts 4, to extend your hand, extend your your hand in the hospital rooms where ventilators are working and in bedrooms for folks in their own beds and places where sickness is happening lord you know exactly where it is we ask you to extend your hand to heal and we pray that signs and wonders to testify of the reality and the presence of your love and your power would be done in the name of the lord jesus And family let's just say his name Together, in the name of Jesus, let's say that again, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus for the healing of our nation. We pray for the healing of the minds and the conclusions and the plans of leadership that are not consistent with your heart and your word and your plan. And Lord, wherever out across this land, you you know there needs to be a touch of your spirit, a, a pouring out of your spirit. San Antonio is one of those places. This place is one of those places. We ask you to pour out your spirit and heal our land. Strengthen your people, Lord, to know better how to pray. Strengthen us with greater faith and confidence in who you are and that our requests... Don't need to insult you by making them so small. Lord, we pray that our request would would be in accordance with the greatness of who you are and the all authority yes. that you have. And specifically this morning, Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan who are who are feeling the sword, who are feeling who are feeling no protection in a natural sense. Lord, we ask you to protect them. We ask you to give them strength. We ask you to strengthen their faith, Lord, to make your presence known to them. And we, we pray for their rescue, for their deliverance. We pray that you'll strengthen their faithfulness in this time of great, of great evil being done against them. We look to you for their, for their deliverance, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all the Lord's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen you to find your copy of the scripture, please, this morning, and it'll, we'll go back to Acts chapter four for just uh, for another time today. All you have when you have Jesus. I'll put another way, when all you have is Jesus. Have you ever known a time like that in your life? when it seemed like all you had was Jesus. Now, you may have had a vehicle, you may have had a roof over your head, you may have had some money in the bank, but there was one particular area of your heart affected by some circumstance in your life where it just seemed like All you had was Jesus. It was too big. It was too complicated. You just knew that there wasn't anybody that could fix this. The circumstances at that category, that part of your heart. All you had was Jesus. But look at you now. Look at where you are now. Look at how, as we've been singing this morning, how great his faithfulness has been in your life. When we look back at what was going on in the lives of these early Christians, the earliest of the brothers and sisters in Jesus, what they were facing in the book of Acts, It's incredibly similar to what's happening even right now, the moment we speak this morning in the nation of Afghanistan that has been abandoned, abandoned, abandoned by leadership in our nation. But our brothers and our sisters in Jesus, in underground churches throughout that country, are living Acts chapter 4 today. They are experiencing the power of the Spirit of Jesus to encourage them, to sustain them, to give them hope when it looks in the natural like there is no physical hope in many ways for them. Just like Many of you, many of us, at the seasons in our lives, in the places, and the times in our lives, and maybe you're going through that right now, where it is settled within your heart, I don't have anybody but Jesus, big enough, loving enough, strong enough. To fix this. So help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I want you to look at how their time of prayer concluded. We've been a, several weeks on the prayer in Acts chapter 4 when Peter and John had been released from being threatened and interrogated by the same ones who orchestrated the plan to have Jesus, the Christ, crucified. Here's how it ends. This is Acts chapter 4, Verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Began to speak the word of God with boldness. I want to give you three or four things this morning that you have when all you have is Jesus, all right? Get ready to jot these down somewhere, maybe put a note out in the margin of your copy of the scripture. Here's the first thing, when all you have is Jesus, from this part of the Bible, this story in the Bible, here's what you have, number one. You have someone who will revive you. I didn't hear a big, loud amen on that, and that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to explain where I'm going and where we get there. The Lord knows we need emotions. Wrong emotions have an incredible power to pull us into wrong places. We don't do many times what we know we ought to do. We do what we feel like doing. The Lord knows what he has to work with when he picks us out and saves us and brings us into the family. He created us. He knows how we're wired. And he knows that if you and I are going to go hard after him, If we're going to pursue what is right, then there's going to need to be something triggered, something placed and strengthened inside us that causes our want to, to want to do what's right in his eyes and where the place of blessing is. See here was this group threatened by the same ones who had orchestrated the plan to crucify Jesus, the same ones now. The same faces and positions of authority, both the religious leadership the civil, and the civil leadership, primarily the Romans, that, that, that godless force rule over the Jewish people at that time. And they, all they wanted was there to be no trouble in Israel, no, no problems in Jerusalem. They wanted that Pax Romana, the famous Roman peace. They would move in and impose on a place, impose on a culture and a people. That is what they were insisting on. Here come these followers of Jesus and they are being accused of stirring up the population and making the claim that this Jesus of Nazareth whom the Roman soldiers had crucified was now alive and that things were happening in his name, people were being healed, and the Jewish leaders were upset about that. So the so the Romans get caught in the mix. But what their orders from Imperial Rome, the city of Rome, the the government from Rome was, you keep the peace, you keep everybody calm down and settle down no matter what. Well those leaders, Pilate, they're still in place. Peter and John having to face the potential outcome that if they keep speaking in the name of Jesus and people continue to get healed and the throngs from even around Jerusalem, they start coming in, bringing their sick people so they can get well. They understood that the Romans being the sword that the Jewish leadership would use were very serious about their threats and... and that they had the authority to, to imprison them and to separate them from their families and all of those kinds of things were going on and they emotionally were having to deal with. I mean, here we folks, we sit here this morning, thank God, without the threat of somebody coming in with an AK-47 from this door and somebody else from, and coming in and shooting up the place just because we are followers of Jesus. Thank God we don't have that and pray never will have that in our country. But that is what is happening this morning in places around this world where Jesus is hated, where the authority to, to kill, the authority to imprison is in the hands of, of the government. So Peter and John... Having faced that kind of intensity, went back to their own people, you remember that, and they, they, they prayed. They prayed in the ways that are recorded for us that we've looked at. But now, as they ended, as they've asked the Lord, Lord, will you give us boldness so that we can keep speaking your word as we ought to speak it. They were asking for an emotion. They were asking for the Lord to encourage their hearts. Now, I'm talking to some folks today. This is no strange news to you that God, by His Spirit, has the power even when nothing has changed in the natural for you. The problem hasn't been solved, the person hasn't become nice, the, the medical condition it, it has remained the same, but somehow, some way, into that darkness, into that place of heaviness, God saw fit to revive your spirit, to cause hope, not to die, but to cause hope to flourish in that place. Paul writes it, Romans fifteen thirteen. now may the God of hope fill you up with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, the context for that writing is a setting of hopelessness, a cultural, governmental, religious setting of hopelessness. And Paul is saying, but you watch what your God can do, that even when nothing has changed, even when nobody has apologized, even when the bills still need to be dealt with or whatever the situation would be, God has the power to revive you. He has the power to refresh you. He has the power to reassure you. It's an emotion. It's an emotion. It's an emotion. It's an emotion. Some say, Pastor, don't be talking about that that, that emotional stuff. Get over it. Jesus didn't come to just die for the sins, to pay the price for our sins. He, He came to die to rescue our souls, your soul is your mind, your emotion, and your will. He came to rescue our, our emotions and our minds and our wills from the, the wrong choices, the bad places. Well, how does he do that? Well, the power of his spirit, he'll swap a bad emotion for a good emotion. He'll put within you a desire to choose rightly, instead of choosing the wrong stuff that just sucks life out of us and kills us. When he say see religion can't do that. Religion will just give you a list of things. Here's what you got to do. And if you do that, you may have, God may smile on you. But knowing Jesus is not a religion. It's a relationship with somebody who has the power to plant fresh emotions, new emotions, encouraging emotions even the place of boldness. Boldness is an emotion that is a result of other things. They were bold as they were confident in who Jesus was, as they were assured of who they were to him, as they were settled in their hearts that God's got this, that even though though they set in motion a plan to crucify Jesus, look what the Lord did. He raised Jesus from the dead. You kill him, God raises him up. And he raised him up never to face death again. He's raised up in order to pass his life on to us. They went through a season and a time where, they, where, where the, the confidence was drained. It, it doesn't mean that they'd given up on what they knew they were to believe. That's why they, they, they went back to the Lord and were, and were pouring out their concerns to him. But then they were just saying, Lord, we need we need you to refresh us. Here's, here's what I want you to say. I want you to know. You write this down somewhere. Write this down on a shirt of the person in front of you just so it won't ever leave you. Well, you have to follow them home to see what you wrote on their shirt. But, but here it is. When you, All you have is Jesus. You have somebody who knows how to revive you, to refresh you, to restore you. They prayed, and he did it. He did it. But folks, here's the thing. If the only way we're going to get encouragement is for the problems to be solved, if the only way we're going to to get revived is when we see things in the natural settled, you don't need the Holy Spirit for that. That, You don't even need Jesus for that. Anybody can get good and happy when everything's worked out. But this is the supernatural part of it. This is the out of the park, over the top part of it. That even when nothing has changed in the natural, he has the ability to saturate your heart with fresh hope, with fresh reassurance, with fresh confidence. I am going to cause... All things to work together for good in your life. You just watch. You just wait. It's coming. That's revival. That's revival. That's a revival. All you have is Jesus. You have inside you one who has the power to revive you, to refresh you, to renew you, to restore you. Amen. 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 We don't always know the timing of the Lord to fix things in the natural, but we do know that it is the steady heart of God for his people. That when we're thirsty, Jesus said, If any of you are thirsty, you come to me and drink. For out of your innermost being shall begin to flow, shall flow continuously rivers of living water out of our hearts, regardless of where the hearts are planted in the circumstances. At that point in time so that's number one and it doesn't get any better than that if all you have is Jesus you have someone who will revive you ask him he'll refresh you look to him the second one is this from this passage when all you have is Jesus he will provide for you. Anybody wanna raise their hand and say, there were seasons in my life when I had no outside source that I could count on. It wasn't just that I was surrounded by selfish people. It wasn't them. They didn't have the resources or they didn't have what it would take for this supply to be met in my life. But somehow, some way, the Lord Jesus has provided for me. You know, you, every now and then we get these, these uh, ones that will comment on, on our, our Facebook thing, our streaming deal, and say, prove that there's a God, prove that there's a God, prove that there's a God. I just almost got chuckled out loud this last week. They sent me one of those. And instead of, you know, deleting, what do you do, delete the guy so he can't do it anymore, they, they let it stay there long enough for a sister in Jesus to say basically, the proof that there is a God is that I'm still alive. That's what she wrote back to him. (laughs) Wrote back to him. You know, that, that may not convince the skeptic out there, but the Lord knows how to convince us that if we had stayed on the same course that we were on, or if the gap hadn't been filled somehow in the need that we have, We wouldn't even be here. We would have ceased to exist. But He has the ability to provide, to provide, to provide. Who is it that stepped out on nothing and said to the darkness in the blank universe, let there be light? It wasn't God in general. John chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, repeatedly in the New Testament will say the agent of creation was Jesus the Christ. When all you have is Jesus, you have no less than the creator of everything you can see. Which means if he just ran out of something, he's got the power to make it all over again. And when that drops... 18 inches out of our heads and into our hearts. And we know that that one has also said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. He said that. He's the one who said, when you pray, you pray, Father, give to us our daily bread. And it's stated in, in, a, in an imperative form, almost a command, Lord, as your children, we're expecting from you that we, we know we have permission to say, Lord, meet our needs. Now, now, we go through the thing of what's a want and what's a luxury and, and what is a need. But when you find yourself in the place, and there's some folks listening this morning, The finances are thin. The resources have been depleted. All you have is Jesus where you sit this morning, but the one you have is the one who is the creator of all that is, and he is the one who is able to take five loaves and two fish and turn them into enough to feed 5,000 men and 40,000 women and kids. We don't even know who all were there that day. If he did it then, and the scripture would say, he is no less now than he was then. He's been given the name that is above every other name. He has all authority. He'll do what he knows is right. You said, well then why does he leave me in places of luck? Why does he leave me in places where there are need? We can look at that and we, we, can, we can, if we let it go very far, very long, we can come up with the big, the big question, does God even love me? But then you read the rest of the New Testament, the, the parts that are teaching. And, 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 and the, the writer James will say that the, the poor, if you're poor, speaking in a material sense, if, if you're poor, you, you, you're going to have great faith. If if, if you've never had to believe the Lord for a financial need to be met, if it's always been plenty so that you could get shoes on your seventh grade boy's foot about every two weeks, it can seem like, because he outgrows them. And and, and the various things about sickness and the various things about, about problems in life that can cause us to feel that poorness of spirit if we had never known those places our ability to know that God is able would be the size of a pinhead or less. But when you've lived in that place, and there are single moms all over the Alamo City family who have lived in that place, older folks on fixed income, with many different categories and descriptions, but who have come to understand, when I've run through my last dime, and there's still need to be met somehow, someway, the bill gets paid somehow, someway, those shoes stretch for another month, somehow, someway. Now listen, you are the ones when problems come, you are the ones when trouble hits that we need to pray for us. We, we don't need somebody to be, would you come and pray for me? And they've never known a night's lost sleep. Because they got more money, got more stuff, got more things than they would ever know what to do with. They, the, the, the ability to trust God for the important. But we say, "What well, does that mean?" That wealth, physical wealth, it, it, is always a bad thing. You know, there's some folks that have lots of money that still have broken hearts. Have you ever met one of those? They're folks that can have lots of stuff, but the thing that they don't have that can mean the most to them, they don't have. And that's the place where they're poor in their spirits, and that's the place where Jesus will say, I'm enough there. I will open. He would say, Jesus would say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now this, you talk about something that will blow your hat in the creek. Let this in. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. The essence, you can't have a kingdom without a king. You can't have a kingdom without a king. The essence of the kingdom of God is the presence of the king. The essence of the kingdom of God is the presence of the king. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. The ones with a poor, empty heart a, a, a spirit that, that that knows its need, it's in that place and it's to that person that the manifest presence of the king will show up. Huh? Well, you let that in. You let that in. What if the Lord has allowed some things to remain in a place of lack because He wants to give you something infinitely greater? He wants you to know Him. He wants you to sense His presence. He wants you to sense His joy, and you celebrate. And people will think you're nuts when you are celebrating the little things that He's done for you little in the eyes of the world, but huge to you because you knew He saw it. You knew He need, knew you needed it, and He brought it to you. Oh, goodness. That's some of you who are the loudest right now that when all hell breaks loose and folks around, you're the ones who need to be praying. Not somebody you poke them and scripture comes out, but they've never been tested with lack. Somebody, somebody, somebody somebody who knows what it is for God to come through. And and you, you you didn't make a big deal out of it. Maybe it was just between you and Jesus, or maybe just between you and another friend or two. Lord, would you extend your hand? This is the need. This is my baby. Here are my clothes, the need for clothes. Whatever men talking about, practical, common kinds of things. But when your supply has dried up, but Jesus hadn't left, (laughs) then you just watch. He will provide for you. So, where'd you get that, Pastor? I need to get back to the text here. I want you to look look at where that comes from. This is in verse 32. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. An abundant grace, watch this, an abundant grace was upon them all. How is abundant grace demonstrated? Verse 34. For, and that's a coordinating connection, conjunction, tying the two thoughts together, 33 and 34, for those, here's the great grace, for there was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each as any had need. And Joseph... Joseph was his name, but we remember him by another name. You're about to see it. Joseph, a Levite of Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. They gave him a nickname. Here comes old brother encouragement. Here he is. Open the door for encouragement. As this man walked in, he owned a tract of land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The way that the Lord provides will not necessarily always be in a way that we would necessarily prefer that he provide. It it doesn't take a lot of pride, or it it doesn't take a lot of humility to give. You can give from a pride heart, but it takes a chunk of humility to receive the help that you couldn't provide for yourself. When we walk with him, when all we have is Jesus, you watch how he will provide. But it may be that in the way of his providing, he's also developing in you a heart that he can work with. The Lord resists the proud, but what? He gives grace to the humble. Somewhere in here, nobody seemed to be worried about folks taking advantage of this new system. And in fact, the the lands and the properties that were sold, the the, the proceeds, it's really interesting. They they didn't bring the proceeds and and give it to the apostles to say, now you take this money and give it to that one. I I want some credit for helping that one. They sold it. For the most part, it was an anonymous Situation that, that was, it was known to the apostles. But but the proceeds were brought and they were given to the apostles to disperse, as the apostles who walked among the, the sheep knew the needs of the sheep. And God took care of folks that way. I, you know, you, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth. You can. That's some of my country coming from. Somebody don't even know what a gift horse is. I don't know that I've ever seen one myself, but that's that old phrase. Somebody wants, you, wants to give you a horse, and you walk up and grab a hold of the lips on that horse and pull that thing, mouth open to see if it's got teeth to chew. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. The, 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 the spiritual part of that is when the Lord determines to take care of us, It's not necessarily our prerogative to say, oh, that can't be God because I'm just having to receive it. I need to earn it. I need to do something about it. It may be that for that season in your life, he's using people who care about you, who love you, and you matter to them to help take care of you. And it's as old, it's as old as the New Testament. Now, here's something that goes along with that. We quote this verse, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But you know what another primary synonym for that word, another English word that fits? The Spirit of the Lord is generosity. Generosity. A heart that wants to give. A heart that doesn't want to keep. Nearly as much as when there's a need that emerges, where there's something that I could do to help, there's the freedom in my heart. There's a generosity in my heart to do that. Whether the Lord uses other people or he uses some supernatural means that to you is supernatural, it may not make the headlines, but to you, you knew that you didn't have any other place to go. But you took the need to him, and he answered it. He answered it. Would, would, if you have ever had anything like that happen in your life, I want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand. You could stand up at that pew and say, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you my story. See, it, and, and again, it, it's not always going to be just the financial. It can be some things relationally with people. It can be some things emotionally and and, and in the different categories of our lives, but some way, somehow, I didn't have anybody but Jesus, but he provided for me. He provided for me. That's number two. Number three, when all you have is Jesus, he will use you. Now, I don't mean use you, like to use you up and to discipline you, be bad, be mean. He'll use you. Peter and John and the other apostles, the other leadership, still in this place of living under the threats of the Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities they were told, don't say another word, don't speak another time in the name of the Lord Jesus. Even though the earthly authority had said that, Jesus had said, you're going to receive my power, you're going to receive the power of my spirit and you are to be my witnesses. You're to open your mouth and represent me to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. So. In the face of the threats, in the face of, don't speak any more of Jesus, here's what's happening. Chapter 5, verse 12. And at the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were taking place among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico, a part of the temple. Verse 14. And all the more believers believed in the Lord. Multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. All the more believers in the Lord. Multitudes, men and women, constantly added. To such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets. Look at this. So that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. And also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. Peter and John, all they had was Jesus. All they had was the power of his spirit at work in them. And they were being used mightily by the Lord. Used mightily. By the Lord. Well, I know you're saying, but that was, that was Simon Peter, pastor. That was John. That was the apostles. I'm just me. But here's what we've got to understand. Find John chapter 14 real quick. Gospel of John chapter 14. You need to know this is in your Bible. Go ahead and find it. John 14 verse 12. These are words Jesus had spoken, not just for the apostles, not just for the 12, but for all those of us down through the centuries of the church that would read his words. These words are meant for us. Verse 12, truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who believes in me, he who is believing in me, he who is persuaded that I am who I have claimed to be, He who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. How shall she do also? The person who is believing in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. The word and is intended to connect what Jesus just said with what he's about to say. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, of course, we got the key phrase there, is in my name. His name represented his character. The, the, the name of a person was a substitute for the person himself. That's how it's to be understood. If you ask anything in my name, if you ask me anything that is reflective of my character, of what you've seen me do, of what you know I stand for, if, if you ask me anything in accordance with what is my heart, it's not saying just say the name of Jesus and then just get on down the road eating your hot dog. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I hadn't even thought about the person of Jesus. I'm not saying it's wrong to... to Add the name Jesus to a prayer and everybody in the room is getting ready to get something to eat. But you want to honor the name of Jesus as you pray. Lord, thank you. Sanctify this food in the name of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the same thing as when there is a request that needs to be made for his power to be demonstrated, for darkness to be pushed back, for light to come in a room, for hope to fill a heart, to get to that place It's connecting with who he is, what his name represents. In the name of Jesus, I resist the spirit of darkness. In the name of Jesus, I call forth, Lord, everything that you want to do, extending your hand to heal in this situation. Believing that you have all authority, all power, your heart is love and good. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. I'm not saying that there's an exact correlation, but here's what I, what I want you to think about and consider. This, this shadow of, of Peter's influence, so great was the power of the Spirit working through his life that in that setting, just the shadow, there was power carried forth in the shadow to bring forth healing and allows because of who he represented because of the power that he was walking in, in the name of Jesus. I wanna suggest to you that you as a person of prayer, you as a person of prayer, cast a shadow. You cast a shadow through your prayer. When folks know that you will pray for them, I'm talking about that work in the offices lined up down your corridor. People in your family line, people on your street, and they have come to experience, come to different ones of them, when they brought a need to you, you would pray. You would pray in the name of Jesus. And maybe not every prayer was answered exactly the way at the time that you wanted it to be, but they at least knew that you cared enough about them to pray for them when they didn't even know maybe how to pray for themselves. You know what happens? When you are known as a person who prays at your workplace, when you are known as a person who prays in your family line and in your circles of influence, you are casting a shadow of power. And folks will bring other ones who have needs into the influence of that shadow of prayer. Some of you will remember in the earlier days of Alamo City a little lady about this tall by the name of Charles Bird, Bird, lived in Amarillo. We met her when we were pastoring up there. Continued the connection with her when we moved down here. Charles C., lived in a little wood frame house, some sort of a fixed income that was never never huge. She seemed like she was always needing to believe the Lord for something. And as a result of that, she just had faith to believe God could do anything for anybody, anytime, anywhere. And she'd pray for folks. She had a way of listening to people when she would meet them with an ear to what was going on in their lives where they needed the Lord to touch them. What might the Lord be able to do to prove to this one his love for that one and encouragement for that one? So great over time was the prayer shadow that Chelsea cast that there were on more than just a few occasions she would let Shirley and me know that one of the lead female news anchors For a national network had found her, found her, through whatever crazy connection. Charleston would pray for, no matter what country, she may never have seen them, what state they would find them, she'd pray on the phone. Larry Henry just told me the first time went to the, out to Dominguez, Charles had called to pray with you before you went out there, said that about an hour and a half later, he finally got to go to Dominguez. She wouldn't shut up. She just wouldn't want to pray, but God set the captives free. All the way to New York City, penthouse office suite, top of a skyscraper, wherever this particular news organization was based, from that place, this female anchor whose name I will not call, would call this little lady in Amarillo, Texas, in the frame house on a fixed income, would you pray for me? And she would do it again and again and again and again and again and again. Again! Signs and wonders. Don't, 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 don't you say, oh, that was then. That would Listen, if we never ask, we may never receive if we've concluded that Jesus would just do it for certain people and he would do it in certain ways back then and it doesn't work now, then, then, then why should we expect that he should surprise us? But what if he's saying, ask me. I've put you in the place with the relationship that you have. You know me, they don't. Ask me to bless them. As we say, ask me to sign and wonder them. You say, well, they hadn't repented They're not going to church. They may not even have a Bible. They can take your name in vain, Lord. Try that reasoning to excuse us from praying for people whom Jesus died for and run that reasoning up against with the Gospels. How many people did he never knew his name? How many people did he just bless and set free and... Do all the things that he would do out of his love. He heals because he loves. He heals because he loves. And even some of the ones that we have a hard time loving, he still loves. So this this the shadow, the shadow of prayer. My mother's 91 years old. She's probably listened to this service. Either this one or the one before. 91 years old. She would say sometimes to me, David... I don't really know why the Lord has left me here this long because I, I'm, she has struggled with her hips and balance. Her mind is incredibly bright, and, and, and all of them. You, she's been here to sing and play many times. You all have been a part of Alamo City over the years and know that. But she will, she's come to the conclusion, and I've had to just say, Amen, Mama, preach it. I must still be here because God wants me to pray. Pray for my family. Pray for my children. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, we've got a string of family members, they're they're, they're teen years, 20 somethings, 30 somethings, 40 somethings, 50 somethings in our family line. Anytime something comes loose, something unsettles those ones, the youngest to the older, the first, not the last, I've got to call Mimi and have Mimi pray. I need to have Mimi praying. And, and, and Mimi will pray. She, I've never lived a day in my life for these 67 years that I've been on this earth that my mama hadn't prayed for me. My mother hasn't, that she has not prayed for me. And I can tell you this, she's not prayed God just make it so smooth and easy for the boy that, it, you know, that he'll never have to cry out for you. I almost feel like sometimes, Lord, will you just keep giving him stuff that's too big for him so he'll just keep coming back to you? Because she knows that's where the life is. That's where the hope is. That's the power. When she prays for this congregation, she doesn't pray for just a well-behaved group, of normal kind of pew sitting, do nothing, count for nothing Christian people. You got to watch it. She's praying, Lord, set them on fire. Cause your spirit to fall. She comes by apple doesn't fall too far from the trees. Her mother was a little lady with a passion for the Lord Jesus. And she, she would tell you in Jackson, Mississippi, she'd take an accordion that weighed about half as much as she did. And she would go on Sunday mornings down to the county jail, city jail in Jackson, Mississippi, where they'd let her get in among the prostitutes and the pimps and just sing and talk to them about Jesus. She'd go out there to the zoo in, in Jackson. You, some of you may have been there and seen that. It's an amazing complex. She'd go out there. This is my grandmother, my maternal grandmother would go to, and find the kids playing in the bushes or on the swing sets in that zoo. And on Saturday afternoon, and she'd just start playing, and the kids would come around. She'd pull up the old flannel graph boards. You remember those things? And she'd tell the story about Jesus. I mean, I, I come from a long line of fanatics from a long line of ones that when they know, they know there's hope in Jesus. You may not be the richest and biggest and fattest cat on the street, but if you know Jesus in your heart, there's, you know where to touch power when you need it. You know where there's hope when you need it. And you can be a means of hope extended through your life. The prayer shadow. The prayer shadow. Not, you know, I, I don't, folks, listen. People at your work Know you. You, you. It's not that you call a board meeting and you demand permission to, to tell up, go through John 316 with everybody and, and, and go through all, all that stuff. But when you when when you're in casual conversation and it comes up that somebody's having problems with a child or problem in a marriage or there's a health issue, and you will just you will just say, Can I pray for you? You may feel impressed to pray at that moment out loud where you are. But it will register in them, and because it's registered in you, to pray for them. What are you praying for? I'm telling you. You're praying for a sign and wonder. God, do something in their hearts that they will know came from you. When you don't have anybody but Jesus, let him use you. Let him use you. Let him use you. Can I say that one more time? Let him use you. In the circles, with the people, you know when the needs come up. When the sickness, they, they, they brought all the sick people. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are folks over the years that we've known, and, and, and they're known as one who will pray in companies. And it's like, it's like their prayer list and the ones that they have connections with at the deepest place of the heart are incredible because it is known that they would pray in the name of Jesus and believe for the Lord to extend his hand to heal in whatever way he would choose to do it, in whatever way. I've not not found that many people, if any, who when you say, can I pray for you? That they would say, no, that insults me. You may not know how to pray what specifically to ask? But just the fact that there was enough compassion in your heart before you bit into that cheeseburger. They say, thank you for bringing our food. We're fixing to pray. and Thank the Lord for the food. Is there something I can pray with you about? We can pray with you about. Waitresses, waiters, staff. It's incredible. Signs and wonders, signs and wonders, signs and wonders. Number four, when all you have is Jesus, he'll revive you. He'll provide for you. He'll use you. He will rescue you. He will rescue you. Now, I need to summarize instead of read each of the words, but I want to give you the sections of Scripture where this comes from. Chapter 17, Acts chapter 5, it says that the religious leadership got jealous of what was going on and they had all of the apostles rounded up and thrown in prison. Verse 19, but an angel of the Lord during the night opened the gates of the prison and taking them out, he said, go your way, stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. The Lord sent an angel, one of the names, one of the Old Testament names of Jesus, I believe, is the name Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angel armies. Now, he now is not any less than that when he walked on the face of the earth. He has been reclothed with all of his authority that he had before. He's the commander of the angels. He's the commander of the angels. I get tickled sometimes thinking about one of these days when, when we're going to get to meet our angel. Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. We, we've been. That's why this guardian angel idea is, is, a, is a biblical idea. It's a biblical truth. Some of these guardian angels that have been assigned to some of us, that we put them through some things. And those angels one day may want to say, I need to take you back through or through spots in your life and just show you how, I came, how near you came to just being totally messed up and things being really bad things happening to you, but I stepped in the way. I, you know, I pray this for our kids. I, Lord, they, they don't need a little old, they don't need a little old weak angel. They don't need an untested angel. I'm asking you to put one in there that's been fighting for centuries for the people of God, that when they show up, darkness flees just because the authority in the name of that angel. we got three little grandsons and I'm, I bet the Shirley and I finally pray, Lord, praying for big angel, big angel prayer, big angel prayer, big angel prayer. First week of kindergarten last week, Blanton, our oldest, goes to a kindergarten in Austin, Texas, and they, they end up, right before the day was over, shutting the school down, locking the school down because an armed guy was coming through the neighborhood. They said, Katie sends a text to us, and, we, and all I said was, big angel prayer, big angel prayer, big angel prayer. He got home safely and thanked the Lord for that. But the Lord can do, and he does, and we have no idea of the places, the interventions where these wonderful forces, invisible forces, have taken care of us. But there's another kind of deliverance. Stephen, the end of Acts chapter 7, Stephen was one of the young deacons. I need to quickly point this out to you. You know that it's there. Stephen, because he was so bold and so clear, he, the, the ability to refute him in his argument for who Jesus of Nazareth was, Jesus the Christ. They, when they couldn't argue reason with him, they just got mad and tried to silence the voice. And so you remember, they stoned Stephen. They stoned Stephen. As he was dying, he prayed, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. You go over to Acts chapter 12. James, the the recognized leader, James, the brother of John, sons of thunder. James, the brother of John, was recognized leader of the church in Jerusalem. Herod, the king, arrested James. And when he saw that it pleased the Jewish leadership, he had James put to death with the sword, follower of Jesus, put to death with the sword. Well, he... Also, arrested Peter. Peter's thrown in jail. But during that night, maybe it was the same angel that already knew how to get through the jailhouses in in Jerusalem showed up there and walked Peter out of the jailhouse. We, We would say Peter was rescued, but James was murdered. The apostles in Acts 5 were rescued. But Stephen was murdered. I need to say something about that. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Remember that. He also said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who dies, he who believes in me, though he or she dies, yet shall he or she live again. I am the resurrection. I am the one coming to get you. In Revelation chapter 1, that amazing vision that John, the brother of James, has on the Isle of Patmos. Of Jesus in all of his exalted glory, the sun, his face like the sun shining in his strength, his eyes like a like a flame of fire, and then he comes down to the end of it, and Jesus says to him, Don't be afraid, John. I'm the first and the last. I hold the keys of death and of hell. Meaning, there's nobody, there's not one of my children that will ever leave this life apart from my unlocking of the door to death so that by way of that corridor into death, they'll be with the Father in heaven. Here, here's, here's the deal, folks. Herod did not have the final authority to take James's life. Jesus came to take James home. The crowds, the religious crowd with Saul watching who stoned Stephen to death did not have the authority to take his life because everything that has a name is under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus just came to take Stephen home. David will say, Psalm 139, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. He gives that amazing description that is so clear about the Lord's heart. Of birth, of life of a human before physical birth. It's one of the one of the greatest passages in all of the scripture against the killing of the unborn through whatever means. But he says, All the days for my life have been written in a book when as yet there was none of them. In other words, God knows when I was born. God knows when it's time for me to go home. For Jesus to say, I have the keys of death and of hell. For him to say, I will come again and receive you unto myself. We need to see that, folks, as the ultimate rescue. The ultimate rescue. Peter was rescued by an angel. But he was going to face another date with death. The apostles rescued by the angel letting them out. But they were going to have to deal with another date with death. Every one of them. But the only one out of all of that list, the only ones out of all of that list that never have to fear another date with death, James Stephen, James, Stephen, and we pray for signs and wonders, we pray for the Lord to extend his hand to heal, but the Lord knows when it is time for one of his children to come home, and we can pray all we want, and we can say all the things we want to say, But if it's time, it's time for me to go home. If it's time for you to go home and he comes, we're going home. And it isn't a defeat. It isn't that we've lost something. It isn't that the devil has won. Jesus has completed the perfect healing and rescue in a life. I need to, I got to quit here, but I got to read you this one, one last thing from the Apostle Paul, Second Timothy 4, this is his last letter, toward the end of it, he says, hang on, yep, I thought that verse might have moved around on me, sometimes it does in my Bible, does that do in yours, you can't? can't find it, but this is earlier in chapter four. I was looking later. Verse five, but you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, writing to Timothy. Fulfill your ministry. And then verse six, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will award to me on that day and not only to me but also to all who have loved his appearing. Somehow Paul knew the time of his departure had come. But look at the next verse. (laughs) I have fought the good fight. I fought and I kept fighting as long as the Lord was telling me to believe him. What was the good fight? The good fight of faith the fight of believing against doubt and unbelief and the the push of the enemy, that what God wants to be done will in fact be done. He had prayed for others to be healed. He he had seen healing in his own life. I, I fought the good fight. I didn't give up. I didn't quit. As long as the Lord had had it in his heart that there's more for you to do, Paul, he wouldn't quit the fight. I finished the course and I've kept the faith he knew that his time was done he knew the Lord's voice to keep believing to keep contending to keep going but now he knows in his spirit the time of my departure is at hand so he wasn't praying anymore to be delivered, to be rescued, to be set free from the prison. It wasn't, this wasn't an illness, this was an imprisonment, accused of capital crimes against the Roman Empire and they would put him to death. But he knew it was time to go home. Just feel like I need to say, don't draw your circle too small. The Lord can provide The Lord can use us. The Lord can rescue us. And sometimes it's the rescue until he's finished with us down here through all manner of supernatural or natural means. But there's a time coming when we're going home. And it won't be because the devil won. It will be because Jesus has come to take us home. This is a text that I received at 8.30 this last Friday morning from Alita Barnett, the leader of our intercessors here at the church. From a friend, a 35 year friend of Alita's and Gordon's, retired military, we received news that the underground church in Kabul, Afghanistan has been martyred. Our friends have been in contact and met together last night in deep prayer with leaders of the underground church in Kabul. The last word, the last words she spoke, this is the daughter, church leader in Kabul, the daughter of whose mother is in the States was in this prayer group the last words she spoke was we feel your prayers because this supernatural boldness came over us as we were singing in the Spirit even the kids said she's a mother even the kids said mom we will not deny Jesus. As they were on the phone, they heard screaming and gunshots. And the phone went dead. I asked Lita before the service if there'd been any further contact, and there has been none. So here's what we've got to know. The Taliban... Criminals, terrorists, would have had no authority to take those lives unless somehow in the plan of the one who has all authority, it was time for him to take them home. That's where we rest. That is where our hope is. And that is why even more we need to find ourselves on our knees praying for our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan right now. So would you join me as we pray? If you want to get up from where you are and come and kneel, you're certainly welcome to do that. When all you have is Jesus, He will revive you He will provide for you. He will use you. And He will rescue you. He can send His angels or He can come and take us home. Lord, thank You for loving us. Thank You for making Your presence known when it would seem as if we had no one but you, and yet you have proven your life, you've proven your presence, you've proven your closeness. Lord, there are no words to express what grips our hearts at the news of what happened to those believers in Afghanistan just last week. But we bless you that heaven is real. We bless you that it's all true. You are the resurrection and you are the life. That though they died, they died believing in you, yet shall they have and are and right now living again. Prepare us, Lord, for the days to come, the days ahead. We don't ask you for much. We don't ask you for the plenty necessarily. Except that it would be the much of your spirit and the plenty of your life working within us that we may be used by you in our generation, in our day for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I encourage you to stay as long as you would like to stay just for the purpose of prayer for our nation for Afghanistan, for all of the Americans, all the brothers and sisters in Christ, but also those of our own citizenry who are there, our military who are there. If we can pray for you in this room, if you're here and we can pray with you, please come. Our prayer partners will be waiting for you. Larry and Melissa, there'll be some others I'm sure that we would stand with you in prayer. Pastor Walker at alamocity.org. If we can pray with you, send us enough just to know to pray. We're also going to be very engaged in trying to find ways to get support, help to our Afghan brothers and sisters in Jesus. You may have it in your heart to want to make a contribution in that direction so that we can help fly them out, if we can help get supplies of whatever source. We we want to do that. we're, We're collecting some funds to be able to try to help the persecuted church came back from From Montana this summer, just with that on my heart, I felt like the Lord said, help the persecuted church. Help the persecuted church. Out of our plenty, American plenty, where we can help them. We want to do it as he leads us. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. When Jesus is all you have, you have plenty. Amen. We have plenty. Amen.